Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. We do not go gently into the good weekend on this program. We've got interesting and eclectic topics. We will go through a number of them quickly. Let us get started. I have an opinion on this. I will share my opinion with you, but first I want to figure out how you feel about it. Governor Tony Evers, making national news, just announced that um, at 1.30 this afternoon, they're going to have a ceremony, and for the first time, the Rainbow Pride flag is going to be flown over the state capitol. The, the rain, this is, of course, Pride Month. And it's that rainbow flag you see it all over. It's the LGBTQ um, pride flag. It is going to be flown over the state capitol starting at 1.30 this afternoon until the end of the month. Uh, June is Pride Month where we celebrate uh, diversity, particularly the diversity that is the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community that's lgbtq that's where that comes from so tony ever says all right this is what we're going to do we're going to put that up there the message says that we want to send a message that wisconsinites can live without fear of persecution judgment or discrimination um all right milwaukee democrat tim carpenter says thank you governor evers this is a very welcoming sign to many of us and it signifies a new direction for wisconsin we are showing we are a welcoming and inclusive state and that means a great deal republican state representative scott allen sends out a tweet saying is this any more appropriate than erecting the christian flag over the capitol he says the rainbow flag advocates a behavior or lifestyle that some Wisconsin residents may not condone. Therefore, it is divisive. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about the rainbow flag being flown over the state capitol for the end of the month? He has also authorized other state office buildings to fly the flag as well as they choose. Now, since this story broke a little while ago, I, I was, I've was i been trying to do some research to figure out, um, are there other flags other than, of course, the state of Wisconsin flag and the U.S. flag that have flown over the Capitol from time to time? I, I know that at various times, based on a government proclamation, I know the POW MIA flag has flown over the state capitol. My guess is there are other flags which have flown as well, but I, I know for sure the POW MIA flag has flown over the capitol. So there is there is some precedent for flags other than the Wisconsin flag and the United States flag flying over the Capitol. All right, I will tell you what I think about this in just a couple minutes, but I am curious, what do you think about the decision that the governor has made? Let's start with Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. If if we're going to fly that flag, then uh, let's fly the NRA flag and um, any other group that's out there that's – 
that wants their flag flown. Is if you fly the flag of one group, does that mean that you then have to fly the flags of, of other other groups as, as well? To a certain extent, yeah. I mean, you got people out there that believe that the right to bear arms and NRA has got their own flag, and why can't they fly their flag on any given month of the, of the year as well? If Governor Walker, for example, had decided to to fly a flag like that, I, I, I don't even know if the NRA has a flag. Um, do you think that that would have been met with just a, a huge uproar in the Capitol? Yep. Got it. Okay, thanks to call. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, like I say, I, I, I'm i sure there are other flags that have been flown. The only the one I know for sure is the POW MIA flag. Now, that's I, I don't know that that's a flag that anybody could consider to be di- divisive. I mean, that's... Um, but at the same time, should we view the rainbow flag as being divisive? What do you think of the governor's decision? Taylor in River Hills. Taylor on WTMJ, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think about uh, flying the flag? Well, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's an excellent idea. I think it shows that Wisconsin is a welcoming and loving community. And we acknowledge the prior persecution of people who live uh, that lifestyle. And it's acknowledged, and that's it. I don't think it takes away from anybody else. Just because you acknowledge one group doesn't take away from another. Does it Does it open the door to uh, now, now are we setting an example that if we're going to fly the, the rainbow flag, does that mean if there are other groups or communities and they want to come forward and they want to have their flag flown, does that mean we should do that for them? I think it needs to be looked at on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard of, say, for example, there's the Pride Parade coming up. There's a lot of people out there who are now saying, well, maybe we should have a straight parade. Right, yeah. As far as my life, I don't know any straight people have been persecuted for being straight. Mm-hmm. So, I, if there's a Black History Month, why isn't there a White History Month? I don't know any time in my life where white people have been persecuted legally or illegally. So mm-hmm. I think you have to look at, um, I mean, the NRA example was an interesting one. Um, however, that's, you know, guns and violence and things mm-hmm. like that. Um I, but at the end of the know. day, though, you think that this is it's a it's a fair it's fair to recognize a, a group that has been persecuted in the past, and it does send a positive message. It does. It sends a positive message to the people who are in the state already, and the direction that we are going, and the people around the country and the world to say this is Wisconsin. We are loving and friendly community. Would you Would you agree with me that there that there is a political element to this as as well? That there's a political component to the governor's decision. I I definitely do, but mm-hmm. I would. Um, no, that doesn't make it wrong. People do stuff for political reasons all the time. I, but you would agree that there is clearly this is a there's there it's making a political statement as well. It, it's definitely making a political statement. Um, however, I don't believe it is a religious statement. Right. 
Got it. Okay. Thanks for going. No, and I, I don't disagree with that. And again, I'm not, I, the fact that the governor chooses to do something and has multiple reasons for doing that. Hey, we want to be supportive. We want to show inclusion. And, and by the way, this is a way to, you know, earn points with the, you know, the, the, the pride community. I mean, okay. There, there's, th- those two things can coexist. Trenton in East Troy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say that, um, I, I, I know. I understand what people have been saying about how we're we're a loving state, and we love these people. And I, I don't agree with the homosexual lifestyle, but mm-hmm. I would have to say this: if we feel that these people are persecuted, why aren't we able to fly? Why is there such a big fuss when we have when we're going to fly a Christian flag or a flag that stands for Christian values? Some of the most persecuted people throughout history have been Christian. Mm-hmm. That's my question. Why can't we fly a flag like the Christian flag? Well, okay. I mean, thanks, thanks for call. I guess because I mean, the question of, of of that, I guess the answer would be okay. Is that an endorsement of? Is it an endorsement of religion if you you know fly a flag dedicated to a religion as opposed to the rainbow flag, which shows support for a cause? Just like the the POWMIA flag, which has flown over the Capitol, shows support for a cause. Okay, when we come back, I'll tell you where I come down on this. Our number, 414-799-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Uh, our text line has exploded. Here's one. Uh, the governor, next month, he'll, next month it's going to be a black, uh, the governor is pandering to the people that got him elected. Next month will be a Black Lives Matter flag or a Black Panthers flag pandering at its finest. This is a complete joke. Um, let's see, here's another text. I consider myself more libertarian and I don't care about people's sexuality so long as they don't try to push it on me or anyone else. Tony Evers putting that flag up has more to do with politics than any than anything. It might as well be a gay people vote for Evers flag flying. I think sexuality needs to stay out of politics. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. The NRA is a private organization. Earlier caller said, "Well, what about an NRA flag?" NRA is a private organization and is very political. Acknowledging human rights and equality with a flag is a very different thing from flying a banner to recognize a private organization. Another text. I don't think this is the issue Republicans really need to fight against. We don't need to be thought of as the party that is anti-gay. The more we fight against this, the more we will be called intolerant. We need to pick our battles, and this is not one to pick. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. I'm fine with it. I think people objecting just need to calm down and ask him or herself, how is this affecting me? And if they're being honest with themselves, they'll say, no, this is not affecting me, and just get on with their lives. Um, does it open the door? I mean, that, that whole slippery slope argument. I mean, one of the, one of the people, one of our texters says, okay, well, all right, are we gonna, if, if the Black Lives Matter movement or the Black Panthers have a flag, do, would it be appropriate to fly that over the state capitol? Well, um, like, like, let's say if it's Martin Luther King Day, I, um, I, I don't think that, that should be ruled out. Okay. If it's right. some sort of occasion. Okay, good enough. Terry on the south side. Terry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good morning, Jeff. So I was, as I was telling your call screener, I remember like the thing with Trump blocking people on social media that didn't agree with him, mm-hmm. but allowing other people to post what they wanted. I think it could be twisted and argued that by him endorsing, or let's say not really, but promoting like that ideology, 
and then other people saying, well, I want to put mine up there, and him, him saying no is similar to Trump blocking people on social media. Since gay, we've legislated gay rights as being a, a right the same way like a gun right is or being black or a different race or whatever, by not promoting or endorsing those people and saying no, it could be argued that he's oppressing the speech and freedom of those people. Mm-hmm. Because the same way someone's posting on Donald Trump's Twitter page, which is a public site, which isn't ran by the government, but posting like your flag on a government building or public space and then or not mm-hmm. being allowed to do that could be considered suppression if you're yeah. doing it for other people well that's it because somebody texts me and says well how about a confederate flag um you know right. should should you know if, if somebody if you have a group that demands they fly a confederate flag over the capitol should we do that right so well you so then you have to put the black panther flag up the party of the black panther or the kkk they're a suppressed group i mean yeah it's a hateful group but you're talking about suppression. Gay people have been suppressed, and now you're trying to promote their ideology. Well, there are other people being suppressed, whether you agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. You're not promoting their ideology. I don't think we need the government to promote people's ideologies. They're supposed to just pass legislation and be a fair, unbiased government. Okay, so being biased is it's virtue, it's virtue signaling. Ver- and I don't even think it's all, all the way sincere. They okay, well, all right. okay, well, good enough. Well, thanks for the call. All right, so th- there you have it. And I would say uh, uh, we've been flooded with texts about this as well. And I would say we're, we're split kind of 50-50 on this. H- here is my take. I, I guess... I, I understand. I mean, look, I, I, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I, I understand that there is a huge political element to this, and I think it does strike me as, as being pandering. OK, now, that being said, one of the things I was really curious about is do we fly flags of causes or movements over the state capitol? And when I see that during the Walker administration, we flew the POW MIA flag. And I have, by the way, no, no problem with that at all. I mean, that was a decision. Like I say, my guess is there are other flags that have flown over the state capitol as well for various causes or, or whatever. So given the fact that we do that, I, I, th- this is not the hill, figuratively speaking, that I choose to die on. I mean, it, it is Pride Month. You know, we have, I, I think if you look around, you, you have, I mean, the, the, you've got down Pride Fest at the Summerfest grounds this weekend. I was at the Brewers game this week and it was like Gate Pride night and they had all sorts of packages that are there. I, I guess I, I look at this and even acknowledging that I think there is a political element to this. You know, if we fly flags representing different movements, and that's what this is, and we've done it in the past and different causes, I'm not going to criticize the governor for doing this. Now, I think you need to be careful with this for the reasons that a number of you have talked about, because, you know, where do you end up drawing the line? In this particular situation, I don't know that I would have done it if I was the governor, but the fact that he has, I, I don't. This is not the fight that I at least choose to pick. So if you wonder why, you will now see the rainbow flag flying over state office buildings throughout the rest of the month. It's because of a decision that the governor made. I know it's going to be controversial. I guess in some circles it's going to be divisive. To me, this is all its symbolic, one way or the other. And I guess I just think that there's bigger issues that we need to be concerned with. So I'm not going to get particularly 
this isn't going to turn me out too much one way or the other, but you're going to be hearing a lot about this because this this is getting national news as this is the first time it's happened in Wisconsin. The governor has a political component to it. At the same time, again, bigger things to fight about. Let's get a budget done. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. In the last segment, we talked about Tony Evers' decision to fly the gay pride flag as being, you know, pandering. Um, if you want to really talk about pandering, Joe Biden reversed a position that he had maintained for the last four, for about the last 40 some years. He reversed that position earlier this week in an effort to, at least in my opinion, pander to, I don't know, the, the pro-abortion wing of the Democrat Party. And in doing so, I, I think, first of all, it was disappointing that he changed his position. And secondly, I think he's just flat out wrong. I don't think the country is is where at least the far left wants wants the country to be. Here, here is the story. Before 1976, Medicaid, and everybody knows what Medicaid is. Medicaid is the government program that provides health care services essentially to poor people. It does a little more than that, but that's, that's basically what this is. And Medicare, Medicaid, that is, is a federal and state program. All right, so there's federal money involved. There's state money that is involved. Before 1976, they estimated that federal taxpayers through Medicaid paid for an estimated 300,000 abortions a year. This is pre-1976. All right. In 1976, Congress passed what was known as the Hyde Amendment. It was named after a congressman, I believe, Henry Hyde, who I believe was from Illinois. And what the Hyde Amendment said is that federal money could not be used through Medicaid to pay for abortions, with a couple exceptions, rape, incest, life of mother. And, and that's pretty much been the law since 1976. No federal money for abortions other than this this limited number of exceptions. Now, Medicaid is a state and a federal program. So theoretically, states, if they chose, could still decide to provide money for abortions, but most don't. I'm sure there are a couple that do, but most do not. Okay, so that's been the law. Well, all right, Joe Biden is running for the Democratic nomination for president. He is much more moderate on many, many issues than a lot of the the people that he is running against. As a matter of fact, I've said this before. I think that's the appeal that a guy like Joe Biden would have in the general election. I think, you know, if the Democrats decide to nominate somebody from the far left, that bolsters the chances of President Trump being reelected. That's just my assessment of it. In any event, Joe Biden was a supporter of the Hyde Amendment and has been a supporter of the Hyde Amendment for essentially his entire political career. That's one of the things that happens when you've been involved in politics all this long. Well, now he's getting all this heat from the left. How can you not support taking federal taxpayer dollars to and using it for, you know, abortions? You know, we this this is terrible. We're denying poor women the right to have abortions, et cetera, et cetera. So earlier this week, 
Biden, after getting a lot of heat on this particular issue, um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, he, he reversed himself and he gave a speech in Atlanta last night and he said, well, um, since I believe health care is a right, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but what he's saying is I've changed my mind. I now think that we should use federal taxpayer dollars to pay for abortions. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this is, to me, that this isn't the question of, do you think Roe versus Wade should be reversed? Do you think that there should be rights to abortions in this country? This is, a, I think, a different and perhaps, in some respects, a, a more a fundamental type of issue, which is, do you think that you, as a federal taxpayer should be required through paying your taxes to essentially fund somebody else's abortion. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This isn't, should somebody have a right to an abortion? All right, Supreme Court, at least right now, says yes, there, with certain limitations, there is a constitutional right to do that. This is a different question. This is, should Anybody, should you have to pay for it? So if you oppose abortion as a matter of principle or religion or whatever, should you have to pay for somebody else's abortion? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that these are very, very volatile issues, but irrespective of, of the law on Roe versus Wade, I think the Hyde Amendment, I think it is appropriate and I don't think Joe Biden is right in backtracking off of this. And candidly, I am disappointed because I think this is pandering. This is caving in. The guy has a track record for 40 years of supporting the Hyde Amendment and arguing uh, essentially as he did that, you know, he just didn't think that, you know, if it's a right of privacy and we're saying that, you know, women should have the right to do that, well, other people should have the right to say that their money isn't going to be used for this. I think the Hyde Amendment is still valuable. I think it is disappointing that Biden decided to flip-flop in this way. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And again, let me be real clear here. that This discussion is not about whether somebody should have a right to an abortion or not. This is the Hyde Amendment, which says... All right, if you're enrolled in the federal Medicaid program, federal taxpayer dollars cannot be used to fund the abortion, again, absent certain circumstances, rape, incest, life of the mother. Joe Biden has been a supporter of this his entire career. He changed his mind yesterday after being criticized by people on the left over the last two days. 414-799-1620. I support the Hyde Amendment. I I don't think this is an issue where federal tax dollars should be used, and that has nothing to do with somebody's right to an abortion. Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Um, There is no way in God's green earth that I should be obligated to pay for somebody's personal decision to have an abortion. Um, Just like if somebody wants to smoke cigarettes. That's their personal choice. I shouldn't be obligated to pay for that habit themselves Mm -hmm. or that choice that they have. 
Okay, so well, well, no way. All right, well, let me ask you the flip side of that, though, Jason. If if you have somebody who's enrolled, a woman who's enrolled in Medicaid who becomes pregnant, the government will pay for all the, the prenatal care. I mean, the government does pick up the tab for that. So if the government's going to pay for her to have the baby, why shouldn't the government pay for her decision to terminate the pregnancy? Well, you're taking care of a life. You're, you know, promoting the growth of that baby inside the womb. Right. So that's all fine and good and stuff like that. But to terminate a pregnancy like that, that's a whole different mm-hmm. story. You okay. shouldn't, you know, be allowed to do that. Okay, or all right. shouldn't okay. be able to. Okay, no, thank, thanks for calling. I mean, and just, I mean, because that's it. And the, the people who advocate for doing away with the Hyde Amendment—that's the argument they make. They say, "Look, you know, you're you get you get treatment. I mean, you know, if you're enrolled in Medicaid, you're you're a woman who qualifies for that, and you know, you're going to get all the prenatal care that that you want, and the taxpayers are going to pay for that. So." If we're going to treat that as something the taxpayers cover it, why shouldn't the decision to terminate the pregnancy? Now, I think that the decision to terminate the pregnancy is a much different decision than one that says, okay, you know, we're caring for the health of the, the fetus. 414-799-1620, Jay in Hartford. Hi, Jay. Hey, how you doing? Um, I I don't agree with this. Um, I, I mainly, you know, I vote liber- uh, Democrat because of just social issues mm-hmm. that I have personally. But this right here is just takes the cake. I don't believe that uh, taxpayers should be on the hook just to uh, help for uh, an abortion. I think that's something that should be uh, the, uh, the person that, who wants it should be responsible for that. Um, it, this is just a re- this is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's it's showing that you know you could be careless and don't worry about it. The government to take care of it. I mean that's. I don't agree with this at all. Well, no, thanks. You know, it is interesting. Like, it, it, it's tough to nail this down, but the stories I'm looking at suggest that before the Hyde Amendment, and I guess I found this number to be staggering, but but the estimates are before 1976. Now, now the, 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 the whole discussion about abortion has changed, and, you know, the, uh, abortion is not happening as much as it did, you know, years ago. But, I mean, they, they estimate 300,000 pregnancies terminated um, through use of taxpayer dollars before the high, a year before the Hyde Amendment. So th- this is a this is a big deal. Clearly, there are more women as a result of not being able to qualify for abortions paid for with federal money who are making the decision to have the babies. Now, I, look, I, the, the bottom line of this is, I. I I support Medicaid programs, but I think it's fair to have limitations on them. And when you're talking about taxpayer dollars, you are talking about people who have very, very strong feelings on this this issue. And, I mean, that's what the Hyde Amendment really reflects, the idea that you have people who are morally opposed to abortion, who believe that this is terminating lives, that this is murder. Now, and, and they just don't want to pay for it. And they don't think that they should have to pay for it via their tax dollars. And regardless, again, of how you feel and the whole question of abortion, I think that that argument has merit. And I think that's why you, you see the Hyde Amendment. It's one thing. I think that's where America is, quite candidly. I think that's where most Americans are. The idea that, yeah, we, we support. I think most Americans don't want to see Roe versus Wade reversed, that you support the right of a woman to do this. But at the same time, they don't think that 
the federal government through taxes should mandate that people who believe that this is, again, immoral or murder or whatever, that they should be compelled to pay for it. And I, I think the Hyde Amendment made sense at the time. I think it's still valid now. Guess what is disappointing to me, maybe not surprising, but disappointing, is that you know Joe Biden, who I think took a principal stance when he supported the Hyde Amendment in 1976. I mean, Biden's Biden's argument pretty much, you know, all along has been, you know, really that it's not the government's business. I mean, you know, when he got questioned about this years ago, he said, look, it's not if it's not the government's business, then you have to accept the whole of that concept, which means you don't prescribe your right to have an abortion and you don't take your money to assist someone else to have an abortion. I mean, that that's the the principled argument that Joe Biden has made over the last four decades. But now, because he wants to be president and he thinks he needs to pander to some of the more militant pro-abortion people in the Democrat Party, well, now he's decided, you know, there's positions I've taken for the last 40 years. Well, well, never mind. So I, I think Biden was right on the Hyde Amendment up until yesterday. I think this is pandering in the extreme. It is disappointing. And I think he's just flat wrong. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. A couple texters pointing out, well, Jeff, what about all the other federal programs that my taxpayer dollars are used to support and I don't agree with? I mean, maybe you didn't support, you know, the war in Iraq, but you, but your taxpayer dollars were used to support it. Maybe you don't support um, aspects of Obamacare, but your tax dollars are used to help underwrite that or uh, they're indirectly or even directly. Perhaps they're used to help, you know, finance. Well, you know, we're you know, we're going to. You know, we're going to pay, the government's going to pay for your birth control. What about all that? Well, I, I mean, I understand that that's the same sort of argument. But at some point in time, I think you, the government has a right to say, okay, as a policy matter, you know, there are some things that we are not going to require taxpayers to pay for. And when it comes to the issue of abortion, especially given the volatility and the steeply held beliefs on that, I think. And that's the whole purpose of the Hyde Amendment, that, yes, we're going to give people the right to have an abortion, but at the same time, we're we're not going to force other people to fund those abortions. I think that makes sense, and that's why I think it's been a good law since 1976. Let us switch gears. I am a fan of the new police chief, Alfonso Morales. I think I liked – when Ed Flynn, former police chief, first came to Milwaukee – I was I was optimistic uh, about some of his approaches and you know for a variety of reasons the the Ed Flynn years turned out to be a, a failure and I I don't know if that's because of Flynn himself I don't know if it's because some of the personal problems that Flynn had made him beholden to the mayor I don't know if he he just felt that he had to essentially let Tom Barrett run the police department um I I don't know what happened but Flynn was a disappointment and I think candidly one of the most disappointing aspects of the Flynn administration was when he and the mayor decided we're not going to allow the Milwaukee police to chase people in most situations which led to a complete element and a new level of lawlessness in the city of Milwaukee where you'd have you know people the drug dealers decided well we're just going to sell dope out of our cars and then we're going to flee and nobody's going to track us down it led to stolen cars it led to carjackings it was just a nightmare and then ultimately that policy has been reversed and so the police department released the numbers and I believe this is causation not correlation all right last year 
the number of vehicle pursuits jumped 2017. They did 369. Last year, 2018, they did 941. So far this year, as of May 31st, there's been 403 vehicle pursuits. So they're at about the same level as they were last year. So what's happened? Well, there have been twenty nine there have been almost thirty percent fewer carjackings as of May thirty first compared to the same time last year. You know, that's a substantial drop. The number of homicides is down dramatically. The number of fatal shootings is down dramatically. In general, crime has decreased. Why do I think crime has decreased? Well, I think there's a number of factors, but I think the idea that what you have is you have police officers who are just not letting people commit crimes and drive away, and they're actually following them. And in many cases, they are apprehending the bad guys. I think that has a substantial effect in getting people off the street because my guess that a number of those people who were involved in committing crimes, who fled the police, They were ones that were responsible for, you know, in the past, because they were able to get away, they were responsible for some of those carjackings and some of the shootings and some of the homicides later on down the road because they, all right, you're driving the stolen car, you're selling dope, you blow through the red light, you run away, the cops don't chase you. Well, okay, three weeks later, you're involved in the shooting. Well, at least now, if you follow them, you catch them. You get them off the street at least for a little while. Now, there's whole issues about the courts and stuff like that. But I think this more aggressive approach that's been taken by the police chief is a direct as is having a direct causal effect on the decrease in crime. Now, look, I, I expect once it gets warm. All right. There's going to be more crimes. That's typically what happens. But I would describe these numbers that came out yesterday as being a good start. This is Jeff Wagner. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. Yeah, we'll continue to keep you updated on the mess that is on the freeway northbound truck fire right around Pioneer Road, which is the Cedarburg exit on I-43. Okay, a lot of stuff to talk about in this hour. Let's get started. Chris Abley, the Uber Wealth, it's nice to have a dad who's a billionaire, you know, just, you know, I just, I'm just, what, what do you say, Gru? Wouldn't it be nice to have it? Exactly. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that. Yeah, didn't, didn't have a dad. My dad was fine, but didn't have a, did not, was not a billionaire in any event. So you got Chris Abley who inherited a ton of money. Chris Abley wants to, and apparently is going to be able to tear down this historic mansion on Lake drive in Shorewood and then build something else up. The neighbors are extremely unhappy about this, and Shorewood is now considering an ordinance which would give the community the right to have a say-so in any future demolitions of so-called historic properties. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand why Shorewood is upset, but I guess my basic feeling is that, you know, if you buy it, you should have the right to do what you want with it. Now, here's where the story gets interesting. You might remember in Whitefish Bay, 
there's this there's a guy who has purchased this house on Lake Drive that's next to the house that he owns. The house is it is in complete and total disrepair. It's an old home, but because of the architect, it's it's registered and it it's it's on various historical listings in Whitefish Bay. Guy wants to tear it down and build a new place there, and the Whitefish Bay community, the village board, etc., they've blocked this because they've got these ordinances saying, okay, this home is listed in this historic preservation thing, so we have the right to tell you you cannot do this, and that's where that stands. Now, what's interesting in the Abley situation is Abley has purchased for $2.6 million a, a mansion located on Lake Drive. It's it's almost 10,000 square feet. The home was built by a famous architect. You would think that this particular home would have various historic protections, but it's not. It's not listed in the National Register of Historic Homes. It's not registered in any sort of state thing. It's just, it's an old home that has historic value. But there's no ordinance now, if this were registered in the National Register of Historic Homes, there, there might be something that the community could do. But right now, th- there's nothing. And so Abley wants to tear this thing down, and I, I think the way this is going is, is he's going to be able to do it. There's really nothing anybody can do to stop him from doing that. Shorewood, because so many residents are outraged about this, Shorewood is looking at passing some sort of ordinance which would give the village, in one way, shape, or form, or another, the right to tell people what they could do with their various homes. In other words, the ability to block the demolition of properties that aren't registered on the National Register of Historic Homes, but the ability to block you know, the demolition of those properties. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, I understand why people might be upset that Abley is taking what is essentially a perfectly good older home and and demolishing it. I I, I get it. At the same time, I come down on this. It's it's his house. He spent $2.6 million to buy this particular property. If he wants to tear it down, I think he should have the right to do it. Now, I... I don't get it. I, I understand. For most of us, most of us, we wouldn't be able to play in this league. You couldn't buy a $2.6 million property to begin with, much less decide to tear it down. But he's got the dough to do it. And I guess I don't think the community should stop him. And they're not going to be able to stop him, but they're concerned about the next person that rolls in and wants to do the same thing. Should they pass ordinances? Let's start with Scott in Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Hi, Scott. Uh, Thanks for taking the call. No, they should absolutely not pass ordinances for this. This is not an historic home. It's not even a perfectly good home. Right. It's been added on to. It did not take those additions. Those at at least three additions did not take into consideration any of the historic nature of the property Mm -hmm. or of the house. Uh, It was. It was designed by an architect in 1927, not by a famous architect uh, at you know at that time. So what uh, you're saying is everything that's old is not necessarily historic. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. it's it's an it's it's a old home that was that that it's it's Chris has his Chris has every right to take it down, obviously, but. From an historic standpoint, it's not an historic home. Mm-hmm. And Shorewood is smart enough 
you know, the, the leaders of Shorewood are smart enough not to set this precedent. Do you think that? Do you think that communities and and again, if if there if the home is in the National Register of Historic Homes, then there's all sorts of different rules that apply. Do and, you think those rules and those rules should apply? Right. Yes, do absolutely. you think that a community should be able to force somebody to have their property? on one of these sort of protected registries or create their own registry and put it on, then put a home on without the homeowner's consent? Absolutely not. They're not qualified to set those kind of standards. There are historians, historic preservationists that are qualified to do that, and that is why we have an historic registry. Shorewood, like I said, Shorewood's smart enough not to do that. Good enough. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. The home I, I lived in in Whitefish Bay was in the National Register of Historic Homes. The previous owners had put it in there because of the architect. Um, and then Whitefish Bay created their own registry. And the, any home that was in the National Register of Historic Homes, if if I wanted, it would automatically be in the Whitefish Bay one. I wouldn't put it on. because I, I, made, I made the decision not to because I didn't want to give up the control. I mean, was I going to do anything to change the character of the house? Of course not, but I, I didn't. I didn't want a, a board of people telling me or giving them authority to tell me what I could do with my property. So I, I never listed it on there. This, I think, what Shorewood is looking at is saying, okay, what if you don't put the property in 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 any re- sort of registry? Could we force you to do that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I I understand the idea of demolishing a Frank Lloyd Wright house, for example. You know that 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 cr- cringes that you know, but at the same time, if it's not otherwise protected, and you know you own it, I think you should have the right to do what you want with it. Let's talk to Paul in the North Shore. Paul, good afternoon. Thanks for your call, John. Sure. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what side I guess you fall on it. it it's a super slippery slope. Um, what you know, which shoreward is trying to do there with uh, with protecting it, even though it's really not protected. Uh, other right. than, I mean, there's no difference from my house to your house, other than the sheer size and location of this. And, uh, you know, to go back on it now, it would create just, I mean, it's such a slippery slope. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah, I mean, thanks for call, Paul. I mean, I'm sorry, your cell phone's cutting out a little bit. I mean, I, I don't think, Shorewood couldn't grandfather this in. I, I think what they're looking at doing is saying, okay, what, what about, we've got all these other properties that are, that are old, that are in the village, um, what a, we're not going to be able to stop Abley from doing what he wants to do, and which is to tear this down. But, you know, moving forward, are there other older properties which aren't right now subject to protections? And should we create some sort of commission or committee to go around and designate these various properties as being protected so that, you know, the next Chris Abley can't come in and do the same thing. And, and my answer is, is, is no. I mean, 414-799-1620. I mean, I think, you know, th- this is one of those deals where you spend $2.6 million for this thing or for the next house. And, you know, you, I think you get to do what you want with it. Now, the problem with the guy in Whitefish Bay is Whitefish Bay, the, the house that he wants to level, you know, did have historic protections. And so, you know, once the house has historic protections, then you got to deal with the board and you got to deal with the various planning commissions and all those types of things. And, and that that's in place. And you know that when you, you go into it. Well, in this particular case, the house isn't protected. But I, I just don't think that you should have boards, essentially, 
that you know tell people what they can do with their properties and especially if the homeowners aren't willing to consent to that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Steph in Janesville. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, yeah, I agree with that. That's It's kind of silly to think that you're giving a whole bunch of power over your property to a committee to say what you should do with your house. Um, like you said, it's it's just an, it's an old house. It might feel special to the people who live there, but at the end of the day, there's no historical value. There's no major change or turn of events that have taken place in this home mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, we can't we can't take this down." You know? Yeah, like, yeah not, I always say that just because it's old doesn't mean it's historic. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's right. there's there's a lot, and and I guess I I understand able, and this is from the perspective of somebody who lived in you know an older home for for thirty years, every. And I don't get the sense that this is in disrepair, but, you know, to modernize it, you know, you're talking about just a ton of money. You've you've got wiring that's going on 100 years old. You've got, you know, bathrooms and pipes that are going on 100 years old and stuff. It's just it, it's just difficult to deal with. And, you know, sometimes sometimes houses just become obsolete. That's just the truth. Sometimes buildings become obsolete. Right. And never, nothing in this seems like he's. He's interested in just purchasing a whole bunch of properties to tear down a bunch of stuff to just get rid of it. Like he, it seems like, he's like, hey, this is a place that I want to be. And like you said, you know, you're living on a hundred year old property. There's a lot of things that might need to be changed. The caller earlier right. said, you know, they've added on things. It's, it's not right. pristine. It's not an original condition. It's already at this point. Right. Then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, thanks. I mean, look, and I mean, I understand. I'm sure a lot of the neighbors are surprised, and I'm also sure that a lot of the neighbors are concerned in this particular case. And and again, Abley's going to be able to do it. I don't think there's any way that they can stop him. Shorewood is looking forward. You know, do we need ordinances to stop the next Chris Abley from coming in and and doing the same thing? And I look, I'm sure that people are concerned about the character of the neighborhood. And you know, what if somebody, not Chris Abley, but somebody else comes in and they want to put up a McMansion or something that doesn't aesthetic match what's there well okay i get the concern but at the same time you know if you have somebody that's going to pay all this money for the property and is going to be paying property taxes for it i i I mean the community has every right to impose zoning rules and you know um acreage you know so much green space etc they have every right to impose reasonable zoning rules on new construction no question about it i don't think they have the right though to tell you that you can't tear down your property that you have purchased betty in waukesha betty you're on wtmj good afternoon hi jeff hi betty i have to agree with you a hundred percent he wants to live in that location and he wants to live in a brand new house. That's the bottom line to this whole thing. And and what I told you, Screener, maybe if he was smart, he could design something that would fit in the neighborhood that's brand new. My sister lives in Greenwich, Connecticut. Happens all the time. Yeah. People are buying houses and demolish. In fact, their house, they said, if when they sell or if they sell, they'll just come in and demolish that one. Right, and because it, because it, it's it's a hundred years old, and to to modernize it would cost you know maybe you know, right exactly so it's just easier to tear it down start over again right and he could design something that could fit in the neighborhood he knows it and he might very well do that they haven't seen the plans i mean my my guess is this isn't going to be some garish mcmansion i would be surprised at that but but Shorewood again is Shorewood is concerned about the precedent what if other people start doing this to which i say well okay if they can afford it they buy it you know it's theirs I get it, one hundred percent. No, thanks to call. And again, this is it's 
it, it's it's always this interest, and and I get, I understand that certain. Com- I mean, you know, you 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 move into a Shorewood or a Whitefish Bay or a Fox Point or or a River Hills or wherever because there is a character in that community, and and you like the feel of the community, and you like the houses, and I, and I appreciate all that. But at the same time, when you're dealing with an eighty or ninety or a hundred year old house, whether it's a whether it's a mansion. Or whether, you know, it's a, it's a split level or a tutor or whatever. Sometimes the, these older homes, it's just, it costs so much to modernize them to get them to the point where you want to live in them in, you know, 2020 that it, it's just not worth it. Now, I mean, again, the, the idea that you can buy a $2.6 million mansion, level it, that you've got enough money and then build something up from scratch is just mind-boggling to me. But if you can do it, I think you have the right to do it. And I understand that people in Shorewood are upset, but my advice would be I, I wouldn't change ordinances to try to stop this from happening in the future. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now the contrast. Okay, Chris Abley, he's got two point six million dollars and he wants to he's bought this place, he wants to tear down the mansion. The flip side is a project that is grossly underfunded and I'm beginning to wonder whether it's ever going to happen and that is the couture. Now, the, the, the background on this, when, when you break it down, you really understand kind of what a house of cards this whole deal is. The couture is this like high-end apartment, multi-use building that they want to put on the lakefront on like Michigan and Lincoln Memorial Drive. It's where the old bus depot used to be. So the developer, in order to make this work, the developer can't pay market value for the land where the bus depot is so the county decides okay we're going to sell you this property for um half a million dollars five hundred thousand dollars all right the problem is all right the 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 property is worth millions of dollars and the city i mean the county is on the hook because this was a bus depot um you know if if it doesn't continue to be used for some sort of transit thing, the county has to pay $6.7 million to the Federal Transit Administration if they don't sell it a property and market value. That's because the agency helped finance the bus facility. So they sell it for 500000 but they've got to come up with some sort of scheme to you know use it for transportation or else you know they they're on the hook for 6.7 million which is probably closer to the market value all right so what do they do they say well i have an idea let's run tom's trolley down to the the couture let, let then and then we can make this all work it's, again it's kind of that house of cards well the problem is that the guy who's building the couture now is having all sorts of trouble coming up with financing the cost of this project's 122 million dollars and in order to make it work, he needs an $80 million loan to be guaranteed by HUD, $80 million bucks guaranteed by HUD. And so far, that, that HUD loan hasn't come through. He's got $25 million in equity cash and then another $17.5 million in city funds for all this. But this is all... It's all these moving parts, and the bottom line is the developer doesn't have anywhere near enough money, the way I see it, to pull this off. So that's why you need the HUD guarantee, or else this doesn't happen. You need, 
you know, the, the county to sell you the site for a lot less than it's really worth. Um, and then you need the trolley to go down there because otherwise the county's on the hook for $6.7 million. It's a complete and total mess. And so far they keep saying it's moving along, it's moving along, it's moving along. Well, they're saying that, but nothing is really happening. Meanwhile, you've got this uh, trolley line. They want to run the extension down there, but there's nothing to run it to. It is a complete and total mess. I don't know how this one's going to work out, and I don't know if that building ever gets built. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. So, Grew, who's producing the show today and always. I hear that the Brewers, okay, Sunday, I'm going to the game on Sunday. It's a Christian Yelich bobblehead day, so it's it's my grandson's birthday on Saturday, so we're, we're We've managed to get tickets from a couple different sources, so we're going for the Christian Yelich bobbleheads. Saturday, did I hear it's Stranger Things night? That's right, yeah. Okay. I know what Stranger Things is. Are you? A, have you watched the show? Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan, but I've seen both seasons. Oh, so you've watched both seasons on yeah. Netflix, and mm-hmm. it, it's essentially a... Sort of a, a it's like kind of a, like a science fiction thing, right? It's like there's somebody goes missing and things like that. Very science fictiony, different dimensions, but it has a lot of nostalgia for like the '80s and things like that. Okay, so what what would a Stranger Things night at the Brewers ballpark entail? You don't know. <laughs> I think I think it's it's like those Game of Thrones theme nights where they change the uh, the the video board and maybe the names of the players, but that. That's it. There's okay. there's no like merchandise that they're giving out. I don't think Will people dress up as characters from the show. I mean, I might wear a flannel. I don't know. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't think people people might dress up. I'm not sure what they would dress up as because well, what, it's just normal kids wearing well, clothes. I, I guess what see that's what I thought that was interesting to me was, and I have not watched Stranger Things, but I actually. I, there's two seasons in the books, and they're coming out with the third season. It drops. It's, it's a Netflix show, so right, you have to yeah. have Netflix. And the third season drops on on the fourth of July this year. So that's you know, and I, I'm always looking for things to binge watch. And and a lot of these shows, I like. I watched the first year. Like somebody, rep, uh, oh gosh, it was the Netflix one, Blood something or other that was set in in just north of Key West in the Florida thing. And I watched the first year of it. I watched the first season, and there's two more, and it just didn't hold my attention. But I did watch the first year. Bloodline. Bloodline, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, I, I mean, it was okay. I, I watched that, and it wasn't enough. But the Stranger Things, because everybody talks about and stuff, and so I'm always looking for stuff to binge watch, like I don't have enough to do with myself. Um, worth it or not? Uh, it's good. I think that's... Uh, th- there might be another show that's a better example, but I think that's the reason why Netflix... Uh, streaming service is kind of what it is because the the huge success that it, the first season was for Stranger right. Things. Yeah, because they said that that and um, when when it debuted, Ar- the orange, orange is the new yeah. black. You know, that's and that's kind of winding down too. Okay, well, last thing I need in this world is something else that's going to like occupy my time for. You know, 20 or 30 hours watching TV while my wife is saying, you're supposed to be riding that e-bike or you're supposed to be going out and walking or let's do all that stuff. But, all right, maybe I'll check it out. I just didn't understand what the Stranger Things thing at the ball. I get the Christian Yelich bobblehead thing. I understand all that and we'll be there. All right, speaking of of all of that and the new stuff and things like that, I, I mentioned the other day, we actually did a segment. I was... Uh, and this was like last week or two weeks ago. I forget which one. But I, I was sitting at the house, and it was on a Saturday. And I had read a – maybe it was in like the Wall Street Journal or whatever. I had read a, a review of a book that I thought was really, really interesting. 
And I, I didn't feel like getting in my car and driving to the bookstore and hoping that they had it or not. So what I did is I just I, I went went on my computer, went to Amazon.com. I'm an Amazon Prime member. I, I ordered the book, and I also ordered razor blades. I know that sounds silly, but I needed razor blades. So <clears throat> I got a good price on them, so I ordered those. And, and then it popped up. It said, you can have next day delivery for free. Okay, and I'm thinking, well, the next day is Sunday, and and yeah, so I said, okay, sure. And I'm like, they're going to deliver on Sunday. Well, darned if Sunday doesn't roll around, and the book comes in, and the razor blades come, and I'm thinking, man, how 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 did they do that? And that that's all, it's all for free. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is this where we are now? Because I am old enough to remember when stores were closed on Sundays, right? I mean, there there was a time where, you know, you did not shop. I mean, grocery stores were largely closed. Maybe some convenience stores and stuff were open, but shopping centers were closed. Shop, certainly department stores were closed. Well, that's now, of course, all changed. We want stuff when we want it. And the challenge now for the Amazons of the world is how do we get stuff delivered? As a matter of fact, one of the big real-world problems that they have is where do you get all the different delivery drivers? Where do you get – how are you going to get enough people if there's folks like me that are making – I don't know, what's the book? Maybe 20 bucks and the Razor Blades 10 You know, you're making $30 orders and you're offering same-day delivery. Where are you going to find the people that do that and how how can you make money doing that? You know, if if you're going to keep the costs low on the items and you're going to offer free delivery. Now, admittedly, it's free delivery because I pay for the Amazon Prime service. So you make some money for that. But still, you got to hire drivers. you got to find people to do that. So one of the things that Amazon is talking about and one of the things that they rolled out this Wednesday in Las Vegas is they say they're ready to go with drones. Wednesday, Amazon announced that it could start making drone deliveries to your house and my house in just a couple of months. The chief executive of their consumer division, apparently they have this new iteration of a, of a drone that's out there that they say can make deliveries up to five pounds at a range of 15 miles. They say this new drone is quieter than earlier versions, so labor neighbors are going to be less bothered by it. They say that these drones have been designed to fly to your house without a human pilot and to detect obstacles like wires, humans, and dogs as it maneuvers to and from its destination. Right now, many current drones rely on pilots who navigate them from control centers on the ground where they can monitor the flight path through cameras. Um, These new drones that they say they're on the verge of coming out with eliminate human involvement for smaller orders. Now, you, you have to... Right now, the government still regulates a lot of airspace, so you got to work with local communities to get permissions and exceptions for this. But you know, Amazon now says that they think that they're going to be ready to go with this and to start rolling out, rolling it out in communities where again they can get the permission to do this within the next couple months. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think this is real? Or do you think this is kind of like pie in the sky, you know, George and Judy Jetson, that type of stuff, that they're talking about it? Do you believe that we're going to seriously see any widespread use of drones to deliver packages in the next year or two? 
414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I guess my response would be, color me skeptical. I, I mean, I understand that there is incredible pressure you know, because, again, if you're going to offer next-day delivery or even some cases like same-day delivery, you know, there's a limit on drivers. There's a limit as to how you're going to do this. And I guess the idea of this giant fleet of drones that picks up, you know, five-pound packages and gets programmed in and automatically it flies to your house and flies back, I, I mean, I think I, I understand why from a company's perspective that has an appeal. I just – my sense is maybe we're going to get to that some point someday – I seriously doubt whether we're going to see this in widespread use, at least in the next few years. But maybe I'm not giving enough credit. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Is is this going to be a world driven by drone deliveries of stuff over the next couple years or actually over the next you know year or so? Do you think we're ready? And, in, you know, is it going to freak you out if all of a sudden you see all these drones flying into your neighborhood and landing, presumably landing on your porch and dropping off packages or landing on your neighbor's porch and dropping off packages? Is this the future and is it now? 414-799-1620. I am skeptical, but I'm willing to be talked out of this. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. All right. Is the future now when it comes to drone deliveries? Amazon says, yeah. This is Jeff Wagner. We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so I I was talking about the era of drones, and I made the reference to the Jetsons, and I said George and Judy, you know, and and so one of my friends, and by the way, I have friends named George and Judy, dear friends of mine, so he says, okay, Jeff, Jeff, a cultural note, George Jetson's wife was Jane. Yes, I know that, but the daughter was Judy. You know, meet George Jetson, his boy Elroy, daughter Judy, Jane, his wife. So yeah, I mean, it's yes, I, I Jane was the wife, but I mean, there are there are Jetsons references here. It was in fact daughter Judy, but I'm sure I'm thinking of my my friends George and Judy Prescott. Let's talk to Mike on the Northwest Side. Mike, are you ready for drones? No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I uh, am. Uh, I think it'd be a huge distraction in the sky. Uh, quite annoying after a while, and take a beautiful day like today. You have all these drones flying around, taken away from the uh, peacefulness of what you know. I think people take up uh, holding the, uh, on their skeet shooting skills. Uh, well, you know, it, it is interesting. Now, like right now, they're saying that the range is only about 15 miles from you know the distribution centers, but I guess I could theoretically see if this kind of takes off. More and more of these, you know, just spinning off. My guess is also, you know, you're going to have the range, which would increase. But I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I've got enough trouble. My dog going nuts when the delivery driver pulls up. Much less all of a sudden when you hear something landing. I, you know, plus if you've got weather issues, I, I just, I guess I'm skeptical that they're this close to being able to roll out something like that. There's enough distractions right now. Um. Yeah. No. No. Thanks for calling. I mean, just like some of us are like skeptical of the the streetcar in winter and ice and things like that. I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine how a drone delivery thing would work uh, again in places like Wisconsin in the winter. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I, this probably is the future. But I I'm just not convinced that the future is is now, although I understand this is going to be the challenge moving forward is, you know, where are you going to get the people that that drive and make these deliveries? When we were talking about the next day delivery thing, one of the people that called in had a caller who was, 
you know, a part-time driver for the, these Amazon things. And he said, yeah, you can sign up for as many shifts as you want, and you can say you're willing to work for three and a half hours, and you go in and you get this assignment. They've got it all timed out that you get X number of packages that they figure you can deliver in three hours or however long your shift is. So I'm sure there's a lot of that type of stuff that, that's going on. Drones would limit that. I guess I just don't know that I think we're we're as far along as they suggest. Brian in Kenosha. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Hey, thanks. Hi, Brian. Uh, I'm extremely skeptical on on this. Uh, and uh, two things that come to mind: FAA, FAA regulations right. on drones restrict drones from flying within a five mile radius of any airport, mm-hmm. any airport. The distribution center here in Kenosha is considerably less than five miles away from uh, the right. airport. And if you were to do, put a circle of five-mile radius around Mitchell Field, it would pretty much wipe out a good portion of Milwaukee. Yeah. Now, what and, you'd have to do, I mean, the FAA, FAA could always waive those regulations, um, theoretically. And I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but, yeah, you're yeah. right. As a practical matter, they'd have to do something like that. They they could, but I don't see I don't see any uh, sign of that happening. Plus, I think I have uh, uh, many uh, airline pilot friends, and my hunch is that the airline pilots association, the pilots uh, right. union, would fight this tooth and nail because they've already had a number of close calls with airliners and drones. Yeah. Now, I mean, thanks. I mean, there are all these practical type of things, and you're exactly right. The FAA regulates this stuff, but what what Amazon says is they're already working with the FBA, FAA to get waivers and things like that, and, and these new drones supposedly fly in a different range. And, look, I, I understand the future is coming. I get all that, but I just I'm, – I'm having trouble believing that the future, at least when it comes to drone deliveries of packages, is here. And I – I got to imagine that if you roll this out and you need, you know, regulatory approval in different communities, my guess is in a lot of communities, you're going to have the people that are, aren't going to necessarily be happy about this for a, a variety of reasons. Greg in Milwaukee. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, yeah, not, uh, I know a lot of your callers uh, already kind of uh, pointed out a few things, but uh, I work for an expedited delivery service here in, in Milwaukee and, uh, you know, Wait until the first time that one of these drones cause any kind of personal injury yeah. or liability. A kid runs up to it, and and you know, and you have a a, a real bad accident. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be not good. Yeah, or it gets tangled in a power line, or it's up, and all of a sudden you get a thirty mile an hour wind gust or something like that that you know blows it into somebody's house or whatever. Yeah, it's so you don't think we're anywhere close to this either, huh? I think we're close, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of hoops to uh, you know to go through yet. So the so the expedited delivery package service, from a job perspective, you think those jobs are going to be secure for a while, huh? We cannot hire enough yeah. people right now. Oh yeah, well I. Well, especially, I mean, I, that, that's why I was doing this topic last week. I, I mean, when, when I order the stuff and they say, okay, you want next day delivery, you know, as part of Amazon Prime? I said, okay, sure. If you're going to give me free next day delivery, I'll take it. But I'm thinking, man, the next day is Sunday. How are you going to find people? And again, this wasn't even a big order. This is a book and some razor. This is probably 35 or $40 total with the order. And, and yet somebody, they, they had somebody deliver it to my doorstep, you know, within 24 hours. Right. Our industry is tough to, uh, 
tough to get drivers right now. I mean, and and uh, mm-hmm. and with the wages that uh, Amazon is 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 paying the drivers, that even makes it a little tougher. Ah, interesting. No, thanks for the call. Well, it's and of course that then that becomes the flip side because as as, as you get more used to this. You're like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm kind of. This is kind of nice. I want this stuff when I want it. Um, there's more pressure on the company to deliver that. And again, like I say, I understand that that the free, for example, Amazon Prime. You pay for Amazon Prime every month or the year package or whatever you do. So you're paying for that service and you're paying for that that you know the, for the um, the the convenience of having the thing delivered. So I, I get all that. I don't know. Um, if you look to the sky and you see birds and then you see planes and then you see these little drones and they happen to be carrying four-pound boxes, well, it could be Amazon coming your way. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Groot, you know the movie that's opening this weekend that I really want to see? Godzilla? No, 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 not Godzilla. Secret Life of Pets 2, the sequel. Now, you're shaking your... Well, you obviously didn't see The Secret Life of Pets. Uh, I actually did, and I fell asleep. Oh, oh well, well, I, I, I admit I don't think it was the greatest movie, but I, I just love the premise. Now it's a cartoon, and I, I animated. I guess that's the term you use now. But I actually, I, I, I love the premise because you always, I admit, I always wonder what my dog does when we when we're gone from the house. I, I have, I, I have for a variety of reasons. I've seriously thought about putting up cameras inside the house. You know, we have cameras outside the house, but I don't have cameras inside the house. And I've thought about putting up a couple cameras inside the house. If nothing else, I think I know what she does, but I, you know, who knows? I mean, it's, and that's why I thought Secret Life of Pets was so eye-opening. Going, oh, so that's what they really do. They wait till their humans go and then they leave. So I, 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 I'm kind of curious about that, but I love the premise. So that's that's kind of the movie I want to see. My wife wants to see Aladdin, and so that's it. And then other friends want to see Rocket Man. I'm, I think I might. I think I might be willing to wait for Rocket Man to come on HBO or something like that. All right. Not that I do not believe Melissa, but we've been telling you about this giant traffic problem on I-43 with all the lanes of traffic, etc., closed, and the, the backups. Um, the, the DOT is saying it's at least three miles, but we haven't had an update on that in a little while. Our number, I do this every once in a while when we have you know huge traffic problems during the show in the afternoon, which unfortunately happens more often than I would like. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're out and about in this traffic, if you're stuck on I-43 and there is a truck fire that apparently has the freeway closed down, is going to keep the freeway closed down for at least a, a period of time what are you seeing and how far does the does the backup extend now we're telling people if you're going north out of the city and of course you know this is friday afternoon so you have maybe you know more people than normal who are trying to sneak out maybe you you know get a head start on the weekend or things like that but if you're on i-43 414-799-1620 where are you what are you seeing how far does this backup extend and what is it doing to the alternate routes because our, our traffic camera to be candidly candid with you don't have the greatest view of this. Sometimes you're able to tell candidly. Um, this one, eh, it's not. It's not the greatest. How bad is this backup? How long have you been stuck in it? And if 
people are listening, what is their alternative? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Seems like we've had these uh, situations just with alarming frequency, you know, over the last few months where just nasty kind of backups. Okay, let's start with Ron in Milwaukee. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Where are you? Where are you? Are you stuck in this? Uh, no, I'm I'm on the uh, southbound side, but uh, okay. I noticed that uh, exit 92 there, all the traffic coming down over there. And okay. I haven't seen a car pass me yet, and uh, there it is, right there. <laughs> I'm looking at it. So it's 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 a mess, and it extends quite a ways, huh? Well, they got the the, the truck is off on the shoulder of the road. Okay. And, uh, there's no smoke coming from it, so but there's a lot of emergency vehicles here. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it is a tractor trailer, and the uh, the tractor's uh, gone. <laughs> All yeah. that's left is a, a frame and uh, rims. Yeah. Well, and, th- and thanks for calling. No, and my guess is a lot. I mean, my guess is they're probably because they're always afraid that you know that the fire could reignite or something. They're going to exercise caution and make sure that 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 thing is clear before they let people get close. Um, Andrew on I forty three. Andrew, good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon. Where where are are you going northbound? Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> okay, so uh, where are you, and how long have you been stuck there? Um, half a mile from the Cedarburg exit. I've been stuck here for roughly forty minutes. Wow, wow. Where did is where did where did you first hit the backup? Um, about Mequon Road. Okay, got it. Right after the exit. Got, yeah, because then you realize something's going on, but it, by then it's too late. So you're, I mean, there's that Mequon to Cedarburg, that's like two, two and a half, three miles tops. And so you've been sitting there for 40 minutes, huh? At least. Uh, uh, uh. Um, nothing moving at all, huh? Um, the traffic is moving slowly, but um, we mostly are running to people going around into the uh, emergency lands, unfortunately. Oh, right, right, doing that. Well, um, I wish I had good news for you, but other than to say that we're monitoring it. So <laughs> not, not how you wanted to spend your Friday afternoon, I would imagine. Nope, on the way to work, too. Oh, gosh, thanks for the call. At least, I mean, maybe if at least you were on your way home, it would be a, a, a better sort of alternative. 414-799-1620. John, um, who's southbound on I-43. Hi, John. Hey, how you doing today? Good. Okay, so you're going the other way. Yep. Uh, I'm I-43 southbound. I just crossed underneath the Brown Deer Road yep. bridge. Yep, yep, and yep. The back the backup's about uh, one mile north of there. They're almost stopped, just creeping. Okay. On northbound. Yeah, so f- a mile or two north of Brown Deer Road. So for people who are who need to go northbound. You you want to get off at either Good Hope or Brown Deer at the absolute latest if you want to if you want to miss this. Brown Deer at the latest. Got yeah. it. Yep, it's bad. Yeah, the truck <laughs> is all burnt up, and they're still just looking at it. I suppose it'll take a while to get the freeway cleared. Don't right. know. Is there a what, what do we always used to call? Is there a gapers block? Is it slow with going southbound uh, little, as well? Yeah, there, a little bit of gapers block on the southbound, so you got to pay attention. People hitting the brakes. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Right. Yep, Got no. Good. No. Okay. Thanks for call. Appreciate. It. Okay. So that's that. That's kind of the first hand thing. Still a mess right now. So if you're heading northbound, trying to get out of town or whatever, be aware that it's going to be like this probably for at least a little while. So. You know, if, if you've got alternate routes, you, you want to take them. You want to get off on Silver Spring. You want to get off on Good Hope. 
you want to get off on brown deer at the absolute latest because who knows how much farther this thing is going to back up. Paul, who is calling us from Port Washington Road. Hi, Paul. Hey, how you doing? Good. Where are you? I am actually northbound on Port Washington. The backup started probably by County W. Okay. And I ended up, I, I just missed the Port Washington exit after Brown Deer, but I managed to get off on Mequon. Okay. And and Port Washington is pretty darn slow right now, too. Well, yeah, because it's the, it's the main alternative, so everybody's getting right. out and taking that one up there. Um, okay. so, every, so the bottom line is we keep telling people to pack their patients, and that's what they've got to do, huh? Yeah, I think it's going to get worse once I hit C. Uh, oh yeah, because that's right. That's right. That's where it is. Hopefully, once you get past that, it it you know it all clears out. But it, it's getting there. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. See, this is what we do. Sort of the this is kind of the electronic forum, the the town hall. And if you're at other parts of the city and you know you're not dealing with stuff like this, consider yourself lucky. Amy, who is calling us from Highway W. Hi, Amy. Hi. How are you? I I am well. Where are you exactly? <laughs> So I was in Mequon shopping, and I uh, took Highway W um, instead of the highway, and I'm headed north, and I believe towards Cedarburg is the next town north. Right. I'm not to Cedarburg yet. Right. This is definitely, Highway W is definitely an alternative route. It is not stopped dead, but we're just kind of inching along at about five miles per hour. Uh, yes. Um, I just passed a fender bender of like three cars because, you know, people are mad and they're probably running into each other. Right. And then uh, when I was on hold, a motorcyclist decided to drive on the opposite side of the road going in, you know, to pass all the cars. So that was kind of not safe. Not smart. <laughs> just, I just, actually drove uh, right past the fire when I was coming southbound towards when I was coming into Mequon. I was on the highway and I drove past it, and I right. was one of those people that snapped a couple pictures. But I did see the semi driver was like way on the side of the road, so I don't think anyone was hurt. But right. yeah, it was lots of black smoke, right. and the there weren't even any rescue people there yet. So yeah. it's happened yeah so it's been taking you forever to get where you're going and probably you're not going to get there fast no i've i've definitely been in the car over 20 minutes just trying to get from like <laughs> mequon to cedarburg so. well it's friday have a happy weekend amy yeah. okay? <laughs> okay thanks for the call I, okay you, you get you get the idea um it, it is kind of a mess that's out there if you've got to go north for the court over the course of the next hour hour and a half Try to figure out what the alternative route is. But as you're hearing these alternative routes, they're, they're backing up as well. We'll continue to keep you updated. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Pop Culture Corner coming up in about 10 minutes. All right, President Trump creating a couple controversies over the last couple days. And and I, I understand. Look, I some of the things that, that people get worked up over, I think you really want to say you got to dial it back because there, there, there are some people who just 
don't want to give President Trump credit for anything. And any remark he makes, you know, he, he's going to get criticized for. But every once in a while, there's things that you, you wonder, you know, why are you doing this? For example, you know, yesterday, there, there's no question, there's no love loss between Nancy Pelosi and President Trump. And so he decides that uh, he's going to uh, give an interview with Fox News. And he describes Nancy Pelosi as a nasty, vindictive, horrible person. Um, now, this was after reports leaked that she said, I don't want to impeach him. I want to see him in prison. And and I thought, and a matter of fact, I mentioned this yesterday, I thought Pelosi was out of line for that. That is not constructive. And I would say the same thing for Trump. This is not constructive. And I understand that there's some people on both sides of the aisle that want to see this kind of blood sport and this fighting. To me, it's like, OK, come on, Let, let's let's grow up. You're the Speaker of the House. Why are you going down this route? You're the president of the United States. Why are you going down this route? Fix Social Security, for goodness sakes. The other thing that President Trump said that I admit kind of raised my eyebrows had to do with with the Vietnam War. Now, President Trump was in in France talking about it's there was of course the 75th anniversary of d-day yesterday and he was making remarks and i actually think he had a a very very good tone on this but you know one of the questions he gets he's talking to a british broadcaster and and they ask him about his service in vietnam now president trump of course did not serve in vietnam about nine million uh americans did serve during the conflict president trump was not one of them president trump um used student deferments to avoid having to go into the military, and, and it was perfectly legitimate. Lots and lots of people did that. After his student deferments expired, President Trump, um, well, he, he developed some sort of mystery medical condition, um, something to do with, like, bone spurs or whatever, and he got a medical deferment. Now, let, let's be honest here. He didn't want to go to Vietnam. He wanted to do other things. He was wealthy. He was able to find a doctor who was able to give him a deferment. Okay, now I understand there's there's other people that, that did that, and I don't necessarily consider him to be a draft dodger or anything like that. I was too young for the, the draft. And, you know, who knows, who knows what people would have done faced with similar situations. But, you know, clearly, clearly he wasn't anxious to go to Vietnam. I mean, and I understand why he wasn't anxious to go to Vietnam, and he did what people of wealth and privilege do to avoid going to Vietnam, and that and that's fine. But they, they ask him at this interview on Wednesday, um, you know, they're talking about this, and he says that he would have been honored to serve in Vietnam. He says, I would not have minded that at all. I would have been honored. Okay, all right, I, I, I just I can't help with the vo- involuntarily eye roll here. I, I, I wouldn't have minded it. Well, of course he minded it. He didn't want to go to Vietnam. I understand why people didn't want to go to Vietnam. He used, uh, again, the, what comes with wealth and privilege, and that's a whole other issue. He found a doctor who gave him this medical deferment, so he didn't have to go to Vietnam. Okay, but to turn around now and say, well, I wouldn't have minded going to Vietnam. Yeah, well, he could have gone. But he chose not to, and he chose to go down the deferment route, and I don't think that makes him unfit to be president, and all sorts of other people did it. But let's not have revisionist history. I would have not, I would have been honored to serve in Vietnam. I wouldn't have minded going at all. Oh, come on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. Um, it was either last week or earlier this week, we talked about the passing of Leon Redbone. And Leon Redbone was this kind of iconic musician who I, I just I always remember him because his first album that came out, my roommate in college was just fascinated by it and played it all the time and did little dances to some of his songs. And whenever I hear that, I just I, it takes me back, not necessarily a good way, but it takes me back to this particular time. All right, there has been another passing of a musical legend that – a lot of people might never have heard perform or seen perform, and that's a guy. His name is Mac Rebenack. Now, maybe you've looked at me and you said, I've never heard of Mac Rebenack, but maybe you have heard of Dr. John. And Dr. John. They call me Dr. John, known as a night dripper. That's it. You know, um, it, it's just gumbo rock, you know, and that's. That's it's it's kind of like that New Orleans feel. Um, his his big song, matter of fact, in all the years he performed, and he he started playing. Okay, he he died at seventy seven um, earlier this week. The interesting thing about Doctor John and I I saw him in concert. I saw him twice. He was at Potawatomi. He was at Potawatomi, and um, you know, and again, it, it's kind of that that gumbo, that that voodoo rock and stuff. He started playing like. New Orleans strip joints when he was like 15 and 16 years old and you know it was just it's one of these guys who just immersed himself in in that music had a number of albums but actually interestingly he he wrote he used to write jingles for like like commercial jingles and stuff and that's that's where he made the the most money um he did tunes for Popeye's chicken and Scott tissue and Oreo cookies um you know things like that he was the uh lead singer he it was his Blossom, um, that was his theme song. He was the one that that did that. So, um, and, and but he, he would come out with albums too. I and mean, this is this is probably we we have this is the only hit he ever had to crack the top ten. I can name that tune in ten notes. That, that uh, right place, wrong time, charted, it, it topped out at number nine in 1973 on the Billboard list. And that, that was probably his biggest hit. But, but Dr. John was an incredible influence on, on just a couple generations of, of musicians. And like I said, he, he put on just an absolutely great show. So Pop Culture Corner this week, I wanted to, I wanted to devote it to music. And in, in the wake of the passing of uh, Dr. John, I, I thought, and there's something else that's going on, of course. Tomorrow, you've got the Paul McCartney concert at Lambeau Field. I have never seen Paul McCartney in concert. Never, never, never. Um, but tomorrow night, we're, we're going. 
going up to see Paul McCartney in concert. I'm looking forward to that. He played in Madison, what, last night, I think. So everybody says it's a great show, three hours long, plays a lot of the Beatle hits, plays some new newer stuff, plays some of the Wings things. I'm very much looking forward to that. I saw Dr. John in concert, like I say, on a couple occasions, once in Potawatomi and once at uh, once somewhere in Las Vegas. I'm trying to think of the name of the, the hotel. But he put on a very... He put on a very, very good show. So I thought, in kind of recognition of the passing of of Dr. John, just an incredible musician, I thought what we do is talk about concerts. Pop Culture Corner this week, 414-799-1620. You had to be there. The best concert that you have ever attended. Maybe it was at Summerfest. Maybe it was at some county fair somewhere. Maybe, you know, you had, you saw this obscure performer in some small venue, and the next thing you know, the performer went on to hit it big, and, you know, they're playing amphitheater shows. But the best musical show, the best concert that you have ever attended, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And you can define best, you know, however, however you want. But that, that magical thing, the reason... Why, you know, we go out to, to live shows and why we, you know, buy the tickets and, and why we see these things. The best concert that you have ever attended. You had to be there. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Take a break. We'll be back with as many of your calls as possible. Again, I encourage you call early because our phone lines tend to jam up and do not overthink. You know, just the, when I throw out the topic, you know, you think back and say, oh, that's the one that comes to mind. 414-799-1620. You had to be there. The best concert you've ever been to. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I love these segments. Here's a couple texts. Ozzy Osbourne, Ozfest, Alpine Valley. I've never seen Sabbath. Never seen Ozzy. Uh, the Eagles at Fiserv Forum. Eagles are playing two North American concerts this year, back-to-back in Vegas at the end of September. I'm thinking of going. Um, and it's it's like a week after we get back from our, our listener river cruise, and I'm wondering if that is excessive. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. All right. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Pam in Ripon. Hi, Pam. Hi. Best um, concert. Well, the favorite concert I went to was Leonard Cohen. In 2013, and I almost didn't go. (laughs) (laughs) One of those where he was getting really old, and I followed him my whole life. Right. And maybe I wouldn't want to see what happened. Right. I feel that way about Bob Dylan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I I it was wonderful. Four hour concert. Really. Yeah. More energy than. Anybody in the theater. Well, and then you got, had you seen him before, or was that the, that was the first and last time? First and last time. And I'm so glad I went. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. I would have, uh, I I never saw Leonard Cohen uh, perform either. Let's talk to Tony in Delafield. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hi there, Tony. My favorite group, Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger. Okay. First time I saw him here in Milwaukee when they arrived, 64. So I'm a little bit older. But the last time I saw him, several times, but last time I saw him in Las Vegas, he had a great show at MGM. It was just a great concert. Okay, you saw the Stones in Milwaukee in 64. Yeah. That would have probably yeah. been like their first tour of the U.S., I would imagine. First, tour, first time, yes, in Milwaukee. Then the Beatles came in a month later or something. Do you remember where you saw him? Did you see him like with the arena or the auditorium? 
the auditorium. It was the old auditorium. Oh, yeah. Outside. They were just starting. They were just starting. Yeah. Now, thank, see, thank, see, that's... Those are the kind of stories that that I absolutely love. Where you see, and you know, actually, that's one of the cool things that that at Summerfest that happens from time to time. You see some of these bands on the side stages or something that are just kind of like starting out, and next thing you know, boom, they they end up exploding. I mean, how cool is that to to see the the Rolling Stones in 1964? 414-799-1620. Tim in Jackson. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I saw Pink Floyd at County Stadium, Milwaukee <laughs> County Stadium, with the Animals tour. Right, right. The Animals that, album just came out. Right, and they, they had, that was. Did they have the big balloons then and stuff the big then? Pig blew yeah. up. Yeah, right. Right. the daylights out of me. <laughs> That's you know it, it's it's amazing. Matter of fact, as we go through this topic, my guess is you're not going to be the only guy that saw Pink Floyd at County Stadium and just loved it. That sounds like it was a spectacular show. It was something else. And, you know, me and my girlfriend skipped out of high school to hitchhike to Milwaukee to get tickets. Okay. And it was worth it, right? It was. Oh, it was worth it. Uh, thanks, Nicole. No. I, you know, it's it's kind of fun because the other thing that got me thinking about this topic is there's a new documentary that's out today, I think, on, on Woodstock. And, and so, you know, be, you know, 1969 and stuff. So you're looking at, you know, Woodstock was 69. So of course, this is going to be the, you know, do the math. You know, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. So there's a lot of that stuff. And 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 you just you see these performers, and they're so young, and you see the people, and they're so young, and it just brings back memories. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Brian in Manitowoc. Brian, the best concert ever. James Taylor. Okay. Riverside Theater about six years ago. Okay. He played all his old, uh, you know, top hits uh, for about three hours. Hmm. You know, I I love. I mean, thanks for calling. You know, I I love it when when you hear that 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 they played the hits. Sometimes, oh, I mean, sometimes there's some performers. Dylan would be one. Um, Neil Young is another. Who you know, they just they they play all this obscure stuff, and and that's. That's fine. That's a little bit in self-indulgent. But the truth is, most of the people that are paying the tickets to go to see these performers, you want to hear the hits. And they've got, you know, I mean, you go to see Jackson Brown, and Jackson Brown, you know, he's got all this, this great music and stuff. Well, you, most people, I mean, it's okay to hear one of these or two of the obscure tunes, but you want to hear the hits. And, and actually, you know, he did that. Okay, here's a text. Jeff, saw Tim McGraw and then-new wife Faith Hill perform together outdoors in Grand Prairie, Texas, during a thunder storm at a special private concert sponsored by Microsoft. They performed flawlessly despite the risk and managed to drown out the thunder and fortunately the minimal rain. Jeff, it's the Steve Miller Band at the Oriental Theater with a local band from Milwaukee. Um, Let's see, Jeff, Queen at the Old Auditorium. Yes, now it's the Milwaukee Theater, but you know, we lots of us think of it as the Auditorium. 1977. 4147991620. Jeff says, "Earth, wind and fire at a small private party with 350 people. How cool is that?" Aaron in Water in Watertown, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Our best concert was about 20 years ago in Madison, the Blind Boys of Alabama. Okay. We actually saw the original group, and they're older guys, obviously blind, and they sing beautifully. And they came off the stage. It was so neat. One by one, they each had a hand on the guy in front of them, you know, on the shoulder. Right. 
came through, went up and down the aisle singing. It was probably the most stupendous thing I ever saw. Great singers. Outstanding. Blind Boys of Alabama. Yeah, let's talk to Paul in Oak Creek. Hi, Paul. Hi, I want to go to Madison also. Camp Randall Stadium, we saw U2. Oh, I've never seen U2 either. Which, which tour? Was it? Uh, okay, got it. Got it. Uh, yeah. just, we, were, we were down on the football field, obviously, uh, which was covered at the time, which made everything so huge, and just you were surrounded by the stage and right. the crowd. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some people might forget how big, and U2 is still big, but I think people might forget how big U2 really was in the Joshua Tree era and stuff like that. Very international band, yes. Yeah, and incredibly, thanks for and incredibly, U two is another one of these these groups where I don't think you really realize the extent of their songbook until you start hearing the songs. You go, oh gosh, I forgot that they played that one and and they played you know that one. Tim in Jefferson, Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, hi, Tim. Hey, uh, Eagles, Steve Miller, Joel Walsh, Pablo Cruz at Milwaukee County Stadium. I believe it was 1980. That sounds like quite a package show. The Eagles in their prime, Steve Miller in his prime, you know, Joe Walsh. Was that before he joined the Eagles? No, he was a member of the Eagles, too, wasn't he, at that time? I, I, I believe he was, but, uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've been to a lot of concerts, but nothing like that. Out, outside, I think it started, I mean, early afternoon. Right. You know, introduced to the blanket tosses. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you, and, and, I, and I love it, and you still remember it. So that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's good that you hung around enough to remember it. Thanks for the call. Okay, uh, let's see a couple of texts. Jeff, uh, I saw you two at the Palms which is, of course, a small Milwaukee entertainment venue that's no longer there. I forget what it is now, but 1981. Huh, let's see. Paul in Bayview says, 1968, I saw Santana at the Pabst. His f- the first album from the group had just come out. Uh, here's another. Courtney in Stevens Point says, I'm betting mine is tomorrow. My family surprised me with Paul McCartney tickets for my 30th birthday, so I will be at Lambeau tomorrow to see McCartney. Huh, how about that? I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I've, I've had a lot of great concerts. I would say I had, I didn't know they were front row seats. Front row seats in 1979 at Alpine Valley to see Fleetwood Mac during the, the Rumors tour. That was great. Jimmy Buffett years ago playing at the Riverside Theater. It was just him and one other performer two nights in a row in the middle of winter. That was incredible. I just, I, I love going to concerts. And it's just, the fun thing is, you know, you'll see good ones, you'll see bad ones, but you'll always see fun and entertaining ones. Saw Levon Helm a couple months before he passed away at, Levon Helm, a couple months before he passed away. Um, he played the Potawatomi Theater, and that was Potawatomi's Northern Lights Theater. That was great. So this was fun. I'm sorry. I wish we had a little more time to answer some more calls, but best concert ever, Pop Culture Corner this week, devoted to the passing of Dr. John, just uh, just a great, great performer. All right, when we come back, Scott Warris is in for John McCure. We'll find out what he has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.